0: We gather in homes every Sunday, and then once a month, we gather together. And uh, so a lot of you guys don't know each other because, uh, you know, you've got your your house that you're becoming a family with. Because we look in scripture and we go, you know what, there's supposed to be this amazing love between us. And so often, you know, we've, you know, defined church as a place you go and sit in a service and then leave. And it's like, man, we don't see that in the Bible. The church was supposed to be a family. It was supposed to be like your brothers and sisters. Man, you give the shirt off your back. If someone needs a place to live, you you let them in your home. It's like you you know you're taken care of because we're family. And so we've, you know, broken it down in homes. And a lot of you guys meet, you know, in other houses. And and this is the once a month time where we get to see each other. Kind of like a big family reunion where you got creepy uncles, you know, that you catch up with. And, and it's like, oh man, I didn't know, you, you know, we were related. You know, and we we get together and catch up and worship together. But man, just look around right now. And just look, I mean, just all these faces you don't normally see and whatever. And God's doing something with us. And uh, man, and after uh, we, we worship together and getting his word together, we go and we just have some, you know, some of you guys brought food to share with everyone. And And we just hang out and try to be as much a family as we can. And it's so hard because in this day and age, man, where everyone, we don't even talk on the phone anymore. It's just a quick text, you know, a few words or letters here and there. And yet what God wants of us is this deep relationship. He wants to say, hey, that's fine with the rest of the world. But my family, I want them tight. I want them loving each other. I want them to be different from the rest of the world, where they genuinely care for each other. And so, man, I hope that uh, this isn't your only time that you just show up and come to these services, but that you get to know the people in this group because, man, I have so much respect for so many of the people in our church. Some of them have overcome some crazy odds, and, uh, man, some of them were just, (laughs) they'll be the first to say, I'll be the first, we were just ugly, ugly people. And God completely turned us around and gave us a new life and changed us from the inside out. So glad to have you guys with us, but um, as we were singing that last song, I I just got caught up in those words, it's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out my praise. Or is that, should I pour out my praise? Your praise, okay, sorry. Um, It's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out your praise. Think about that phrase. It's your breath in my lungs, Do you believe that right now? Like, that was his. See, a lot of times we think, no, this is mine, this is, you know, even the word, my lungs, I don't even know if it's not really my lungs, okay? They're his lungs, like everything belongs, and those of us who are believers, we say, you know what? This body is not my own anymore, you purchased it. Okay, I gave myself over, so now every breath is borrowed from you, I get it. And so I have a choice. With my lips right now, I can use, you know, these lips and this breath to talk about him or I can use it to talk about me. Every conversation, I can use this conversation to talk about me or talk about him. And a lot of it depends on what you believe. Do you believe this breath is yours or do you believe it came from him and it was meant for him? Colossians 1.16 says that all things were created by him and for him. You know, a lot of us believe that we're created by Him, right? But how many of us really believe we were created for Him? Like, my life isn't my own. I don't live here to to just do what I feel like doing and ask God Hey, help me feel, you know, the right... It, it, it's it's about Him and glorifying Him. And, and so that's why I love that song, you know. It's His breath in our lungs, and therefore we get it. And so we pour out His praise, praising Him. But, um, you know, last week we were together... Uh, I um I talked about Ephesians 3. Well, last time we were here, remember I told you about the little league team? You know, in the big fight and everything fell apart, and it was just like that guy broke his leg and police ambulance. It was crazy. Next week, a couple of SWAT guys are there. It's just it was just insane. But they were going to cancel the whole league. And uh, I was like, well, just let me, let me take over the team. We'll, we'll figure something out. I'll recruit some guys, and, and we'll rebuild a team. And uh, so we did. And yesterday was our last game of the season. And uh, we ended up 0-12. Um, but hey, it's okay. But we had a good time. And uh, and praise God. I mean, you should have just seen the kids laughing together, messing around with each other. It was just this, this joyful, you know, opportunity. And got to share my testimony with a few of the other parents and kids. And it's like, you know what? God used something that was so miserable and so insane. And I knew he was going to do it. I knew he was going to redeem this season somehow. Um, I thought we were going to win, but... Um, he had other plans and more important things happened, which were the relationships and the joy of the kids and everything else. And, and so, I don't know, maybe that's just encouraging to you that maybe you're in a situation where it just seems like everything's just fallen apart this week. And I'm telling you, those are sometimes the best situations to be in because that's how God redeems things. You know, he gets you to the edge of the Red Sea and goes, okay, we're dead now. And he goes, no, watch what I do. Here comes the miracle. And I think a lot of us have seen that in our lives where we're at that brink and go, man, what a mess. And then God turned us around and I'm just seeing catching some of your eyes and remembering where you were just a few months ago or a year ago and seeing who you are today, and it's just so cool to see that. Well, we talked about Ephesians 3, remember that? I I talked about the inner man, and I talked about how, you know, Paul would get on his knees, and he'd pray for the church, and that's what I started doing for you, just getting on my knees, praying for you, but not for external things, like, oh, you know, help her to stop doing drugs, you know, help them stop drinking, help them to stop fighting, this, 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 you know, because there's this endless list of things You know, what Paul prays for is he prays for strength in the inner man. He says, man, I pray that miracle would happen where the Holy Spirit enters you and you get this whole new set of desires. And so it's not about a bunch of people keeping you sober or a bunch of people, you know, keeping you on the right path or a bunch of people calling you so you show up to church and all this external, external, and external stuff. But it's about this internal, about God doing some miracle in your heart where, man, everything's different now. You just get it. And you want to be with Him. You want to be with His people. You want to live the right way. And now you have this power called the Holy Spirit who enables you to do this. And the Bible says we become slaves to righteousness. Remember, we talked about that, how it's like once we're rooted and grounded in love, which Paul prayed for, he goes, then you're not going anywhere. You're rooted in it, versus you're just kind of blown and tossed by the wind. And yesterday I was in the TL's last night teaching. We had like 2,000 people serving in the TL. Uh, About 2,000 Christians came into the Tenderloin And they're just, you know, passing out food, sharing the gospel, just bringing light there. And then I had an opportunity to talk at the end and speak at the end. And spoke out of Matthew 7 and talked about how, you know, that's that's where he talks about how there's those who built their house on the rock. And then there are those who built their house on the sand, you know. And the the two houses look exactly the same. Everything looks exactly the same. You would never know the difference until the storm came. And then once the storm came, the house that was on the sand was demolished, right? And the house built on the rock just stood there. It was just firm. It was on a firm foundation. And we talked about how a lot of times we could be in a gathering like this and we all look the same. I mean, yeah, we're like every nationality on earth right here. But, you you know, but in general, you don't know who's for real. We're all singing the songs. We're all here at a service. But well, one person could be, you know, built his life on the rock and the other person on the sand. And we look fine right now. We look exactly the same. But what's going to happen once the storm comes? Then it's like one's going to crash and one's going to stand. And he's talking about the judgment, too. He's talking about, look, who knows at the end? This, this is what we live for. It's, it's not to look good and for everyone to look like a Christian and act like a Christian when we're together. It's about what matters is at the end. Am I going to stand? Am I really rooted in the love of Christ? Do I really know Him? Do I love Him? And that's what I pray for you guys, man, especially for the leaders, for the pastors, their wives, man, on a weekly basis, I'm praying, well, God, I just pray that it's really in them, that it's rooted in them, that it's in their heart, that they're not just doing stuff externally, but inside, they're like adoring God, loving God. And then your pastors, in turn, are praying for you by name. I hope you know that. Man, that's something we emphasize. Man, pray for every single person in your gathering, in your home. And they're praying the same thing for you. Not just, oh, I hope his foot feels better. I hope, you know, his, his aunt's ear heals. It's, it's like, man, I pray for them inside, that they are just deeply in love with God. Because at the end of the day, it's not about just the works, and it's not just about this talk but it's about, man, at the core of who I am, I've got this foundation where I, Francis Chan, am deeply in love with Jesus Christ, and I will die for him. I understand what he did for me and how he took me at my worst and forgave me and loved me, and he's the the one I love. Man, so I hope that as we've been praying for you, that you've sensed that change in you, that it's not just about this, but it's about this. And when you're alone, it's like, man, it's weird. Like lately i felt like more of this love for God, like, like, like my relationship with this is, is connecting more. And if that's happening in your life, it's not a coincidence. It's because your pastors are praying for you. You know, your, your leaders in those homes, man, they're on their knees praying that that would happen. So it's not a coincidence. In fact, I even noticed, you know, just this last, last, last week, week and a half, I'm like, man, I'm just even more alive, like I I just long to be with Him. Um, This thought hit me the other day, I was thinking about how, you know, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But I was thinking, what did God do before He created the heavens and the earth? You ever think about that? You know, Psalm 90 verse two says, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. From everlasting this way. So forever this direction and forever this direction. He just always is. He is. He didn't come into being. Like you came into being 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe 40. I don't see anyone over 40 here. Um, just kidding. <laughs> you don't hide it well. Um, it, it's, you know, you, 50. Like you came into being. You started at a certain time. And just think about this being who it says, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. And yet there was a beginning to the earth even, okay? But what about the billions, the trillions of years before that? Okay, there was this God from all eternity. Before he created one angel, he was still God before he created anything, like he was God, and we don't even know what he did back then. We just know the beginning of our earth, and he says in the beginning, and he he shows in this book what he did here, but I'm thinking, man, but he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. Before the mountains were formed, before there were any oceans, you were always there. And so think about this. Here's this being who's been around for trillions of years before he even made the earth, then he makes the earth, and then it's however old it is, okay, let's not fight now, and, And then at some point, I'm born, okay? Just just 47 years ago, almost 48 years ago, here I was. And he made me. And it just occurred to me, like, are you kidding me? Like, I know that God. Like, what matters? These little people on this planet, for the short time that I'm on the Earth, I know the God who made the planet and who existed way before it and will exist way after. And the thought of knowing him, I don't know, it just got ingrained in my head where again, I was just so excited again, like, why do I care about anything else? When you look at the world from that perspective, you go, why do I care about anything else? Like, I know the God of eternity. And I was just coming before God going, man, I love you. I love you. And it gave me just a new boldness. Like, I don't really care what any of you think of me. You've only been alive a few years. You've only existed, you know, a few short years. Like, who do you think you are? Why do I care so much about other people? If I know the eternal God and I'm secure in him, it changes everything. And there was a verse um, that I was... uh, that I was teaching last week, I, I did this, uh, this video series where I was teaching through the book of James, and I don't know, there was just this one verse that stuck out of me out of the whole teaching. It's James four, verse five. It says, do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? I'm going to read that again because it's... I, I want, I, as I'm reading it, I want you to think, do I believe this? Just that last phrase. Do you believe this? He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. That God who's existed Forever. Do you believe that he yearns jealously? Aren't those crazy words for God? I mean that that just I just struck me like, okay, wait, you're Almighty God, you've been here forever, and you yearn jealously for my spirit? Like you, 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 yearn for me, like, that's insane. I mean, I, you know, I think we've all been in that position where, you know, maybe, you know, when you're younger or maybe now you're crushing on someone and they didn't like you. (laughs) It's like, oh man, story of my life. You know, like it's just like, oh man, man, man. It's like that desiring, desiring, and they were after someone else or whatever, or they didn't take you seriously. But you yearned, and you wanted this relationship, and you longed for it, but they were busy with other stuff. And to think that God, the creator, like that that, that verse just baffled me. I'm just going, wait, so you long for me. People on the earth can reject me. That's cool. Whatever, but to think that almighty God jealously yearns for my spirit. That's a pretty awesome thought. And so I ask you, you know, as he's longing for you, have you been longing back? Have you just been yearning for him and going, God, God, I just want you. I remember one time I was was in my 30s and I was like, man, like I love being alone with my wife. I love taking my kids on trips, but I I thought, man, I, I just wanna get away and be alone with God. Like, I don't want people around for a little bit. And I just wanted to be me and him. And so I I went out in the woods, but I didn't really know where the woods were (laughs) because I was a city boy. And uh, my friend took me and showed me where the woods were. And then he drove me back home and said, okay, so that's where you go if you want to be alone. And, uh, and, but he prayed for me before I left. And he started praying. He goes, goes, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so excited for Francis because I know how he's wanted this time with you. But then he kept praying and he goes, and God, I'm so happy for you because I know how you've wanted this time with him. And when he prayed that, I thought, oh, I don't want, that, that's weird. Like that felt uncomfortable. I, I, I felt like he was wrong in praying that at that time. I'm like, ah, oh, don't say that. I mean, I want God, but you, it felt arrogant to think that God would want me. Like, I'd never heard anyone speak like that before. And it felt so uncomfortable. But then as I was reading the scriptures and as I look at that verse, it's like, man, he was absolutely right. I mean, that's a miracle. That's, the ama- that's, what, that's why he sent his son to die for us. Man, sometimes we forget the gospel and forget that it was God's initiative that he actually wanted relationship with us, that eternal God is yearning for you. That's why I didn't want to move past what we talked about last time. It's like, okay, last time we talked about you having this intimate relationship with God and wanting him from the depths of your being. What do we want to talk about this week? It's like, no, let's not move past that. Let's, let's continue in this miracle of God jealously yearning for you. And picture God in heaven, yearning for you, your time, your affection. And does he see you down here just loving that and basking in that? And go, God, I love being with you too. This is amazing. I know my Creator. See, because for too many years, church has been about external stuff, right? We dress the right way, we go to the right place. And yet you look in scripture, no, you know it's about something inward where God makes us a part of His body, and we become His church, and we're just madly in love with Him. That's why I'm always praying for you guys that are Project Bayview, you know, that it's not just the environment that keeps you living a certain way, but that there was a life change in your heart that changed you. The Holy Spirit entered in you. Now you want and you long for these things, and you desire these things. And even if there was no Project Bayview from here on out, you're good. You're okay. You'll figure it out. Because you know what? Inside, the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone. And you just find yourself longing for him. And even when you try to screw up a little bit, you start longing for something. It's like, ah, he pulls you back. You can't stay there anymore. You used to be able to. I hear this from a lot of you. Man, I used to be able to live however I wanted and I didn't feel that guilt. And now it's like I start moving that direction. It's like, ah, I can't do that anymore. I gave my life to him. You know, it's only a, a deep, deep love for God that uh, is going to have us make it here on this earth anymore. You know that illustration of the storm that's coming? I think we're that storm is starting, isn't it? Where you look at our world, you look at the view of abortion, the view of same-sex marriage, the view of divorce, the, the view of so many things on this planet that go totally contrary to what this book says. I mean, there's no way on earth that if you read this book, you're stuck on an island, you just read this over and over and over again, that you would come to those kinds of conclusions. You know, what is the most obvious reading in this book? When you're alone, just read it over and over. That's why we beg you, look, don't just take my word for it. Don't just grab a teacher who will tell you what you want to hear. Read this book. What does it say? If you were stuck on an island with this book only, what conclusions would you come to? Because around here, you're going to be hearing voices from everyone. And the majority will tell you one thing, but, but that's why, you know, also in Matthew 7, he says the majority, he goes, are following this wide road, the easy road that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow road that leads to life and few will find it. Whenever you go with the majority opinion, understand that's the easy thing to do. As believers, we were called to sometimes stand alone. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys read our reading this morning. Did you read the Bible reading this morning? This morning, uh, our, you know, for those who don't know, we read through the Bible every year. And so we, we break it down, you know, so we have a little chunk every day to read. And this morning was one of my favorite stories. Uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 18, it's, it's the story of Micaiah. I'll just kind of paraphrase it because I, I know a lot of you read it and I know a lot of you didn't. But... Um, this is the shame of those who haven't. Um, but you know how you read this morning in 2 Chronicles 18, where you had King Ahab and, and King, um, another one, and uh, Jehoshaphat, yeah. And, uh, and, and they decide to team up together and, and, and fight, you know. And it was kind of cool, because you got Judah and Israel kind of getting back together, you know. And, and uh, King Jehoshaphat gave his son to marry King Ahab's daughter. You know, things were getting together. And they were going to go fight together. And they they said, well, gather the prophets together and ask the prophets if this is cool, if this is what God wants us to do. So they gathered all the prophets they could find, 400 prophets. Okay? These are the men of God. These are the spokespeople of God. And they ask all 400 prophets. They go, hey, should we go to war? And all 400 of the men of God go, yeah, go, we're going to win. God told me this. God told me that. We're going to win. Let's fight. We'll be victorious. And then King uh, Jehoshaphat goes, hey, is there a, or King uh, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, is there anyone else? We got all the prophets, right? Jehoshaphat, this is what he says. Well, verse 7, there's one other guy. There's one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always says, but always says so. Wait, what? Oh, but always says evil. I skipped a line. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) dyslexia. So he says, I was like, that doesn't make sense. He had bad English. but, but Jehoshaphat goes, okay, there's one other guy. I hate this guy. I love that phrase. I hate him. He never says what I want him to say. He prophesies like evil stuff. Even if everyone else is going with the flow, this one guy, he bugs me so much because he'll just lay it out, even if it's against everyone. And so they go to Micaiah. And, and at, at first, you know, they, they just say, hey, you know, just, just say it. Say it, and at 1st like, oh, yes, you're going to be victorious. He goes, no, seriously, say it. What's the truth? And Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, what God says that I will speak. And uh, he goes on and he tells them, look, if you guys go in this battle, you're going to die. You're going to get slaughtered. Don't go to war. This is what God says. And I think, dang, that's 400 people, 400 prophets. And this one guy goes, I don't care what they all said. They're all lying right now. Here's the truth. And then it says, uh, verse 26, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he says, hear all you peoples. You know, I'm like, man, I love that guy. (laughs) You know, I mean, they hated him, but I go, man, I love that guy. And I go, can I be that? Could I be that guy? I mean, ask yourself, is that? See, the only way you're going to make it is if this is strong, where I go, God, I don't care what all the other prophets said. I know what I read. I know what you said in this book. I don't care if everyone starts turning and everyone hates me. That's cool, man. You're the God of eternity from everlasting to everlasting. You're a God. So if the one person I want to be right with, it's you. So I'll say what you need me to say. And if everyone hates me, so be it. Like, is your relationship with God that strong, that rooted? Jesus says, look, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. He goes, sorry if that disappoints you. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to divide. I mean, there'll be mothers against their own children because of me. Man, there'll be children that hate their parents. Because of me, brothers and sisters will split apart because of me. Because they're going to recognize this is bigger than this. Man, I want to love you. I want to love you with so much in my heart. I want to love all the people in this neighborhood all around San Francisco. But you know what? That's a far second from my relationship with God. And is that true of you? Where you go, you know what? It's Him first. Man, I used to sing this song when I was a kid. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Hey, my wife, my kids, man, I'm crazy about them. You guys know that. But given God or my family, it's always going to be God. They're eternal. And that's the best example I can show for my kids. Look, this is how we live life. Man, I love you, but if you're doing something wrong, I'm not going to rejoice in that. God's first in my life. Man, to be able to say that to my own wife, and I want her to be able to say it to me if I ever start leading her in the wrong direction. I want my kids to say that to me if I start going in the wrong direction, and they go, you know what, Dad? I'm sorry, you taught me that my relationship with God's more important, and if you're gonna head down this path, man, I'm just sad for you, but I can't go down that path with you because this is who God is, and it's who He is to me, and it comes from the inside. You see, because in that verse where it says he jealously yearns for me, and I'm going I'm to close with this, that passage in James, let me, let me read the whole section there. Listen to what he says. It starts in verse 1. He says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. You see the context of that? He starts off saying, he goes, hey, why do you guys fight? Why do you guys fight with each other? Man, some of you guys have gotten some serious fights. He goes, why do you fight? He goes, isn't it because there's something inside that you want? Like you desire it, you can't have it, and, and so you think this other person was supposed to give it to you, they didn't give you the respect you deserve, and you start fighting and quarreling. He goes, man, it's it, there's this emptiness in you versus those who are just like, man, take it. I, man, I'm good. I know the God of eternity. I, I've got this peace and this relationship. He goes, but if you've got this hunger in you, you're just constantly fighting because you're longing for something you don't have. He goes, maybe you don't have it because you never prayed for it. And he goes, and maybe you prayed and you still don't have it because you didn't pray the right way. Do you understand that there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray? And God doesn't listen to a lot of our prayers. He says right there, maybe you didn't ask right. He says, maybe you asked because your own passion, you weren't thinking about the glory of God, you were just thinking about you. And you're asking for things that that God may not want to give you. But then his next phrase is, he goes, you adulterous people. You adulterous people. Why would he use that phrase, adulterous? What's that got to do with adultery? To ask for God for something, you know, for my own passions? You guys know what adultery is, right? Yeah? Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, You know, I mean, it'd be basically if if I cheated on my wife right now, that'd be adultery. I'm cheating on her, right? And Or if she's cheating on me, it's adultery. That's, that's adultery. We made a commitment to each other. And we've kept that commitment for, for almost 22 years now, you know? And it's, it's if we ever broke that covenant and went off with someone else, that's adultery. And why would God use that word when we pray for things that are opposite His desire and based upon our own passion? Because he, see, the Bible talks about God being like a husband and us being like his bride. And so when we go, you know what, God, you're not fulfilling my needs. Can you give me someone else or something else to fulfill my desires? He's like, are you kidding me? Can you imagine if I went to Lisa and go, you know what, you're just not doing it for me anymore? Can you find someone else? Like, that's gross. That's just evil. And God's saying that to the people. He's going, what, am I not enough? That you want something? I mean, I'm the God who made everything. And somehow, every time you come to me, it's for something else other than me. And that's why he goes, don't you get that my spirit's like jealously longing for you? But every time you talk to me, it's like you want someone else. You want something else, you adulterous people. Man, I'm the love of your life. I'm the one, I made you for me. And he's longing, jealously, yearning for us. And then he says, don't you know that friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God? You're wanting the world? You want all of this stuff? It's like Lot's wife, remember that story? Where they're fleeing all the wickedness and Lot's wife looked back, why? Because there was just still something she wanted from the world. And God turned her into a pillar of salt. And it's like, man, you love the world? Or do you love me? Don't be this adulterer. He goes, to be a friend of the world, okay? Catch this. To be a friend of the world, he says, is to become an enemy of God. And when I was looking at that phrase, I thought to myself, if there's one thing on this earth I don't want to be, it's an enemy of God. Okay? I mean, I don't want to be your enemies. Some of you could beat me up, probably two or three of you together. But uh, so I don't want to be your enemy, right? I don't want to be, but, but it's fine. What are you going to do? Kill me? Big deal. If there's one person I don't want to be an enemy of, it's like, okay, that, if there's any label I don't want on this earth, it's enemy of God. The God who's existed for billions of years before the earth and from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. If I'm right with him, I'm good. And he's jealously yearning for me and longing for this relationship with me. And so for me in the core of my being, I'm going, man, that is crazy. I know him, he's enough. And I'll admit for many years, I think I've tried to walk that line where I wanted to preach in such a way that the church would love me and the world would love me too. And I feel like for years I was able to do it because I think when I was younger, it's like the morality of our country wasn't that different from scripture. And now it's come to a point where you just gotta choose. Unless you just keep changing your view on everything else. Like, oh no, okay, yeah, let's let's be their friend and, and tell them this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. It's like, no, we can't keep playing this game. At some point you just go, you know what? I've chosen to submit myself to this book and to stay loyal to this God of this book. And there are things in this book I don't agree with, but you know what? I come under it and say I will submit to that even though that didn't come from this mind, because if it were up to Francis, I'd have different laws. That's why it's a good principle for you to remember, hey, don't believe everything you think, okay? God's ways, he says, are higher than our ways. He says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts above yours. Okay, so there's God's thoughts and here's ours. And those of us who've existed for a few years sometimes want to think, but I think God should be this way, and I think that he should judgment-based, and I think this should be, and it's like, that's great that you think that with your 40-year-old brain, you know, but the God who exists from everlasting to everlasting says, no, here's the way it is, and that's why I beg you, get in this book, alone, alone, and what's the natural reading of this book, and that's what this church is about. It's like getting people alone with God into his presence, not just trusting guys like me, but studying this book and going, what does it really say? And as he yearns for you, I'm praying that you would yearn back for him and long for him. That's my prayer for you guys. And I'm going to keep praying for that. As long as this church is around, just keep praying for you that inside of you, you want him. Because I can't make you love him. that has got to come from inside of you and has to come from God himself. So. We're going to do something that God asks us as uh, believers to do, those of us who love him, and that's uh, the partaking of communion.